You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On SEC podcast. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Big news regarding the LSU-Missouri game. A lot is changing with uh, the circumstances surrounding this game. We will give you the latest as of the recording of this podcast on what is happening with that game. Also, we will catch up with Bill Bender of the Sporting News. We'll get his thoughts on the SEC as a whole through two weeks and kind of look ahead at some of the games going into week three of the conference and lastly, we'll hear a little bit from Joel Klatt of Fox Sports. He's got a couple of SEC teams in his top ten, let alone his top five. We'll find out what he thinks about the best teams in the SEC. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. We are here with you five days a week. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes available each and every day. All right, we'll start with the news that came out last night that the LSU-Missouri game expected to relocate to Missouri due to Hurricane Delta, which is bearing down on Louisiana going into this weekend. Multiple sources are reporting to both the uh, newspaper in St. Louis as well as the uh, advocate in Baton Rouge. Brooks Cabina of the advocate in Baton Rouge has a long day of discussions on Tuesday, explored some neutral site options in Houston, Dallas, and Shreveport. SEC spokesman Herb Vincent, friend of the show, also uh, released a statement last night and said, as we continue to monitor the path of Hurricane Delta, all preparations are being made to accommodate playing the game as scheduled in Baton Rouge or to move the game if necessary. A final decision will come Wednesday morning. Well, at the time of recording this podcast, there's been no official word, but Dave Matter with uh, stlouistoday.com is reporting, as Delta approaches the Gulf Coast, LSU-Mizzou will move Saturday's game to Columbia. Here's what he had to say. The game was originally scheduled for 8 p.m. in Baton Rouge. It will now kick off at 11 a.m. Central in Columbia, Missouri. Multiple sources confirmed to the Post-Dispatch on Tuesday evening. As we said, the schools and the SEC expected to formally announce the change in venue at around 9 a.m. on Wednesday. Again, time of recording this podcast. It has not become officially official. All right, join us now to talk the latest on what's happening with the LSU-Missouri game is Ben Arnett. He's the sports director at KOMU News in Columbia, Missouri, and he joins us now. Ben, welcome in, man. How are you? Doing good. How about yourself? Well, we're uh, we're doing okay. Look, it's so far so good in the SEC. We've had two weeks in, and all the games have been played, and if the coronavirus isn't going to sidetrack us, now it sounds like a hurricane is. What is the latest you're hearing regarding the LSU-Missouri game that's Set to take place Saturday night, 8 p.m. Central in Baton Rouge, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. Yeah, a source uh, with the University of Missouri told me earlier today that the game is actually going to be moved uh, from Baton Rouge to Columbia and played at 11 a.m. on Saturday at Perot Field um, because of the impending threat of the hurricane, and and obviously uh, LSU fans have 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 had this impact the program and, and life in Louisiana before. Um, it looks like that's the best, safest move. Uh, I was told by uh, folks with the Mizzou Athletic Department that they had been preparing as, as early as Tuesday afternoon for the possibility. And then a campus source told me that that uh, is indeed what's going to happen. It's expected that Wednesday morning 
uh, the Southeastern Conference is going to update the status of the game, and, and I expect it to be confirmed at that time that the game is, in fact, going to take place Saturday, 11 a.m. Central, uh, in Columbia for a field. I know there was some discussion, maybe neutral field site, Houston, Shreveport, some of those cities were mentioned. I think the, the big thing for LSU is maybe you lose a little bit of a competitive edge not playing a home game. Obviously, LSU had just announced they were going to start selling alcohol in the stadium this weekend, so you lose out on those sales. What do you think or, or what are you hearing in terms of would, would LSU still be the home team technically in terms of coin toss? Would fans be allowed? What are you hearing with all of that? That I don't know, but I do expect that there will be at least some fans in the stands for this game. I have heard that there are uh, possibilities of uh, Missouri putting in place po- uh, the ability to uh, have fans pick up tickets uh, later in the week. I think they're still planning that right now. Uh, Missouri had a crowd of about 11,000 for their home opener uh, against Alabama, and that was considered a sellout. Uh, for the, you know, coronavirus altered capacity, uh, which is, uh, about 20% or so. Faro Field, uh, usually seats in the low 60,000s, and so they had about 11,000, uh, for that Alabama game. Not sure what that crowd is gonna look like at this point. It may just be too early to tell, but from my sourcing, I'm hearing that, that there are discussions within the ticket office, uh, to be able to ticket the game, uh, as far as who the, is the home team or the road team, that I do not know. It is uh, interesting from a standpoint of eight years in the SEC, and LSU still has not made a trip to Columbia. So if this does happen, it will be their first trip to Columbia, Missouri, since they've been, since Missouri has joined the Southeastern Conference. Just a quick thought, Ben, on what you've seen from Elijah Drinkwitz two games in to his tenure at Mizzou. I know it hasn't gone the way he's expected down 0-2, but just an initial thought on what you've seen from this Missouri team. He's really trying to get his offense installed, and Eli Drinkwitz's background is is in offense. He was the offensive coordinator at North Carolina State several years ago and actually uh, made the announcement today that a player he recruited when he was OC at NC State who ended up coming to Mizzou, Connor Basilak, is going to be his starting quarterback for Saturday against LSU. Kind of got lost in all of the news about the game potentially moving in the afternoon, but Earlier in the day on Tuesday at his press conference, Drinkwitz decided to make the change at starting quarterback. He replaces Sean Robinson, he being Connor Basilak, replaces Sean Robinson as the starting QB. Robinson is a former TCU Horn Frog who transferred to Missouri, sat out last year, really struggled in the first two games of the season against Alabama, and then only got two series last Saturday in Missouri's 35-12 to loss uh, to Tennessee in Knoxville, um, was only one for four passing, negative yardage in his, his two stints in there, Basilak came in, and Drinkwood said today he felt like Connor uh, really handled the moment and the atmosphere uh, and made better decisions uh, than Robinson had. Um, so Robinson slides into the backup role. It looks like it's going to be Connor Basilak on Saturday as the starter and the primary quarterback for Missouri moving forward. And I think the hope for Mizzou is, particularly with Drinkwood's being, as I mentioned, coming from an offensive background, if he can get his quarterback settled, and he can get that offense running from the quarterback position the way he wants it to, they can start to improve from here. But I'll tell you, Missouri, six of their first seven opponents ranked in the top 25, two of their first three being Alabama and LSU. They'd be hard-pressed to find a tougher start to a season for anybody in the entire country than that. 
Yeah, and I think for expectations, no doubt, he gets a pass for this year. Look, year one, <laughs> and you don't even get any cupcakes. You don't get the Citadel. You no. don't get, you know, any, any, you know, Missouri State or anything like, like that. It's automatically thrown to the Wolves playing 10 ICC games, but that will be interesting. Anybody who watched the game against, uh, Tennessee last week could, could tell you Basilak did move the offense a lot better than Sean Robinson. So, n- no surprise on my end, but that will be fun to see him, uh, take on this LSU team that, it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. They looked really bad week one. They looked really good week two. So we'll see with this game as it's expected to be a Saturday morning affair in Columbia as opposed to a Saturday night in Death Valley. He has Ben Arnett, KOMU News Sports Director. Ben, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Ben Arnett there in Columbia, Missouri. There, uh, so the latest, LSU will be playing Missouri Saturday morning 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern. Don't know the network as of yet. Again, you guys listening, by the time you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure it will be made officially official by the SEC on a network and how it's all going to work with home game. Does LSU get tickets? How do they split it up? Are they still technically the home team? All that to be decided um, at this moment of recording this podcast, but that is uh that is interesting. Look, at least they're going to get the game in. That's the biggest specifics on this on this game from Missouri at LSU to LSU at Missouri. At least they're going to play the game and we won't have a, have a postponement and you know, let's face it, LSU's bye week comes the week before Alabama as it typically does. I'm sure they don't want to have to be playing Missouri 7 days before they face Alabama. They'd prefer that bye week to rest up and get healthy for that game. This is the Locked On SEC podcast coming up next. Our conversation with Bill Bender. We'll talk all things SEC football with him. Of course, he does a great job with SportingNews.com. He previewed some of the games coming up this weekend, making some picks straight up and against the spread. We'll talk with Bill Bender next. Now, you guys know we're always telling you about the Built Bars. Well, now you have to try Built Go. We all have that daily wall. You know what I'm talking about. You're at the office mid-afternoon. And you just hit that wall. Lack of energy, lack of focus. You need something to help pick you back up. Built Go is the way to go. It's a healthy replacement for that yucky energy drink because the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. Think five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking one of those big energy drinks, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. Built Go combines energy gel with protein and it goes to work fast. It is loaded with good stuff to kick you back into gear, and it tastes great. Three delicious flavors. My favorite is the chocolate mint. You have to check them out. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you will get 30% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED, get 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Locked on SEC rolling along here as we get ready for another week of SEC football coming up this Saturday. Week three in the SEC. Week five, what is it? Week five, week six for some teams. I can't keep up. It's week, week negative two for the uh, Pac-12 still, but, uh, I digress. Great to have college football back and great to talk with this guy. You know him from Sporting News, been doing it, his thing for a long time. Bill Bender joins us here on the show. Bill, what's going on, man? Hey, not much. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, week three of the SEC. We've seen two weeks of play so far. I guess what's your general takeaway so far from what you've seen from the Southeastern Conference? I like the conference-only feel to it. I do. I think there's more urgency when you see these teams. I mean, to me, 
three teams really stand out above the rest. I mean, it's the usuals, Alabama and West with uh, Mac Jones, a quarterback, and really a devastating deep ball offense with those receivers. And I think Georgia flexed on Saturday. Obviously, Florida looks good with Kyle Trask. And that leaves an opportunity for a certain, you know, Tennessee team this weekend yeah, to prove that they belong in that conversation with those other 2-0 and teams. Yeah, I was just reading your, uh, your, your picks on this week at sportingnews.com and you guys have a pretty good record on making your picks against the spread and straight up and whatnot. And I saw that you did have Georgia winning against Tennessee, but failing to cover. I feel like a lot of people feel that way about this game, feel like the, the Vols can keep it close for a while. I, I don't, I have actually not picked well against the spread. I've done okay straight up. But, <laughs> and that's part of this season, Chris. It's hard to get, a feel like there's games where you assume, okay, that's a 25-point blowout, and then they go out and it's sloppy and things happen. And I really tripped up on picking this one because, to me, yeah, a lot of people are going to jump on the balls and that 14-point spread, I think it's down to 13-and-a-half. And then you kind of think twice about it, and I'm, I'm kind of second-guessing myself even that this is a bad time to do it because uh, the wife and I are going to Vegas this weekend for a wedding. So uh, <laughs> this will be a bad time for me to – not have a feel for my picks, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but put your money where your mouth is with some of these bets. Uh, the other big game, uh, the early game this coming weekend that really intrigues me is number four Florida going to Texas A&M. Look, Kyle Trask, in my mind, has been lights out so far. I mean, I, I picked him as my preseason All-SEC quarterback, and he's been tremendous. Kyle Pitts is the most unguardable player in college football but going to Texas A&M and only a six and a half point spread, I just, I keep looking at it and I know A&M put up a fight for about a quarter with Alabama, but my goodness, I just feel like Florida's super way more talented than Texas A&M. It's creeping me out too, because I mean, the initial reaction is, hey, yeah, I'm jumping on Florida there. I think their offense is really good for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, you know, Kyle Pitts is going to make an NFL team happy very soon. Um, but maybe there's something to A&M putting up a fight there. I don't see it, though. I think Florida may give up a little bit on the back end with their defense. Um, but that's a good football team. And they're, they're, they've got an opportunity to work in that discussion with Georgia and Alabama because of that offense and because, because of what Kyle Trask has brought. They just look very fluid on offense. And South Carolina couldn't play keep away against them last year. If there's one bet that I'm going to make this weekend, Bill, and this is where you may want to go get your your ticket at Vegas, Alabama at Ole Miss, whatever the over is, I feel like it's going to hit because, look, Alabama's really tremendous uh, on offense. We know that. They could score at will. Ole Miss's defense stinks. But I feel like Lane's going to have some success offensively against Saban. I know Saban prides himself on the defense, but we've seen in later in these games, you know, these past couple weeks, uh, some teams have been able to put up points. So I think if Bama's running away and they were up, say, four touchdowns, I feel like Lane's going to keep Corral in there. They're going to get the offense moving, and, and they're going to score some points. It's a high over, too. You know, it's a 76 right now, and I do feel like this is a game where Alabama will score 50 points, just the way that Ole Miss's defense leaks all over the place, and Florida was able to make some things happen. could be a very similar game to what we saw with Florida and Ole Miss, where both teams throw it around. Matt Crow puts up some numbers. But, again, I kind of point back to that Alabama offense. Matt Jones fits really well with what they want to do with Waddle and Mechie and uh, Devontae Smith. They, they, it's like a track meet with those receivers. They can get down the field. He's averaging 17.8 yards per completion in that offense <laughs> since he's over his starts from last year. 
Uh, that's pretty scary when you think about it. When we look at the the landscape of the SEC bill, I mean, you know, before the season, when they said going conference only, I know folks at Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Arkansas were all saying, "God, we may not win a game." What did you make of the performance Arkansas had this past weekend? Just a week after routing LSU, the national champs, in their house at Mississippi State, and Mike Leach, Barry Odom did a heck of a job shutting them down. Welcome to the Mike Leach experience. <laughs> I mean, this is this is it. You know, you go out and light up LSU, and then you turn around and lay an egg, and they they're another one this weekend. When I'm looking at the par, you know what my weakness in Vegas is, Chris, is the parlays. Um, I'll hit two, and then. I'll sit there and talk to my wife. Oh, I can get three. Oh, I can hit four. And then it's, ah, oh, we missed that one. And, uh, um, but yeah, I think Mississippi State versus Kentucky this weekend, you wonder where that's going to circle next. And, and you mentioned Arkansas. I mean, what a wonderful way for Sam Pittman to build on. I mean, they hadn't won a game in the SEC for two seasons. So uh, for them to break that streak, I think it's a nice building block for what they've got going on down there in Fayetteville. What did you make of, speaking of LSU, I know they played Vandy last week, but looked like they bounced back, look, looked a lot more like the team we were supposed to see this year instead of the one we saw week one against the Bulldogs. Yeah, LSU's fine. I, I, and I say that in terms of maybe not national championship fine, but they're going to win games. And Miles Brennan's going to settle in, and they, they can compete with those other top ten teams. I mean, one of the things about that Mississippi State upset, it was, as you probably know, just a – the stars aligned in so many ways with what LSU lost, with what Mississippi State was bringing, with Stingley sitting out, Miles Brennan making his first start. And I think with each start, he'll grow a little more comfortable within that offense. And, and the defense is going to have to be counted on for a lot. So uh, LSU is still in the mix, but I, I just think they're a rung below what you're dealing with, in particular with Alabama this year. Talking with Bill Bender, Sporting News. Uh, Bill, I was the sucker last week. I bought into Auburn. I bought into, man, reigning freshman of the year, Bo Nix. He's going to take that next step. They're going to go give Georgia all they can handle and, and maybe even win the game. And I could not have been more wrong. That Georgia defense is legit. Uh, is that the best defense of the country through the first two weeks? Probably the best one I've seen. Just because, And that's that thing with the Tennessee game is, can Tennessee's offensive line handle that kind of physicality on the other side? Um, that was out without LeCount, who got ejected for targeting. So that was a heck of a statement by Georgia. And now they got to do it again. And then they've got to turn around and do it again <laughs> the week after that. So, I mean, that'll be the test for Kirby Smart's group. But it is nice when you have a defense that allows eight points per game. And then it, allow, it also allowed Stetson Bennett to kind of settle in. I was impressed with Bennett's decision-making and their offense's balance against Auburn. And to your point, just as surprised that Auburn laid that egg on that stage. And it was a big one. Yeah, and you bring up Stetson Bennett. He's a guy, look, we're singing his praises this week. He's a guy I, I kind of trashed a little bit last week. But, you know, he is a seasoned guy. He's been around a while, waited his chance among all these, you know, high-caliber, highly-recruited other quarterbacks. But I was talking with a buddy last night, and he said – I would not be surprised if JT Costello is not the starter here in a couple of weeks. Is this like a fairy tale story that is going to end at some point with Stetson Bennett, or do you think he can be the guy to stay in there and just be that game manager all season? Well, I mean, it's fluid. And remember, this is a program that was counting on Jamie Newman to start uh, in the way force transfer and be that kind of dual-sided playmaker that that the offense needed and was exposed when they got run out of the SEC championship against LSU. So, I mean, now you talk about JT Daniels 
got medically cleared last week but didn't play. I mean, the sample size he had at USC wasn't bad before he had the season-ending injury, but um, maybe it's taken time. But, I, you know, to your point, yeah, if Bennett has a bad game this week, you know, maybe they turn back to Mathis, maybe Daniels gets in the mix. There could be some uh, quarterback carousel action at Georgia this season. I wouldn't be surprised. I know Elijah Drinkwitz is 0-2 and he's the new coach there at Mizzou. We'll see what, what he, obviously he gets a pass this year, but just looking at the other 0-2 teams, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, uh, Will Muschamp at South Carolina, Derek Mason at Vandy. Any of those coaches you think may be on the hot seat? I would tend to think not with Stoops, but maybe more so with Muschamp and Derek Mason. Yeah, I mean, those are the two to watch and probably that Vandy. South Carolina game will give you the right answer, right? So, I mean, we'll figure out after that. I'm Kentucky, obviously, off to a disappointing start given what they had back, but I think Stoops has got time just based on how he's built that program, as I was pointing out to people. You know, Kentucky's one of the schools now where you're seeing guys playing on Sunday making plays, and they're doing well doing it. So I think that'll continue. Um, Muschamp, I mean, it's a tough one. Can't lose to Vandy, or, or that, those calls will get – really loud in South Carolina, you know, before they fall too much further behind the big three in the East, that that could happen. Bill Bender, Sporting News, last thing for you, Bill. Um, most like, I won't say you have to pick one, but most likely to get upset this weekend because we've seen it. The first two weeks of SEC play, LSU gets upset. Last week it was Arkansas upsetting Mississippi State. Ole Miss upsets Kentucky in their house. Give me, what's what school do you think is most likely to get upset this weekend? I mean, if Kentucky counts, I think Mississippi State's going to bounce back and knock them to 0-3. But that's, a, to me, almost like a toss-up game. I'll just say I'm super intrigued to see how Tennessee reacts this week to being 2-0, and to having another opportunity against the shot. This is Orange Weekend in a lot of ways, not just because you're an Astros guy. It's, uh, <laughs> um, you know, rather you're Tennessee and you're wearing orange, whether you're Texas coming off the embarrassing loss and you're wearing orange and a chance to really drive a nail in Oklahoma, or if you're Miami and Clemson. I mean, Miami has a tremendous opportunity on Saturday, and I've been telling people all week, you know, the last two times Clemson and Miami have played, Chris, Clemson's outscored them 96-3 to in those games. Wow. So you can't tell me that, that no program has more at stake in terms of, you know, reasserting their national brand than the Hurricanes this weekend. Yeah, if they pull off that upset, go ahead and put Derek King's name right up there, top the Heisman list, because that means he did something special to pull off the upset over Clemson. It'll be fun to watch. Bill Bender, SportingNews.com. Of course, you can read all his work there and follow him on Twitter, at BillBender92. Bill, always good to talk with you, man. Thanks for the time. Hey, Chris, you're great, man. Take care. Thanks a lot, Bill Bender there, Sporting News, talking all things college football and the SEC with us on the Locked on SEC podcast. This is the Locked On SEC Podcast. Chris Gordy here with you. Our thanks to Bill Bender. Great stuff with him. Check out his work at sportingnews.com. Joel Klatt, one of the big names in college football, does a lot of the games on Fox Sports. He releases his top ten of college football every week, updates his rankings, breaking the huddle. is his show that he does on Fox Sports. But Joel Klatt released his top ten college football rankings and a couple of SEC teams Coming in his top five, here was what Joel Klatt had to say about some of those teams. 
Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Gotten a lot of heat for the Ohio State above Alabama. I get it. Alabama has looked absolutely dominant. Uh, that may switch over the next uh, you know, week or so, and I think Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama could be interchangeable at this point up there at the top. And that's in large part due to my belief that I think uh, Ohio State is one of the top three teams in the country. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, but I really want to focus on four and five and uh, a sprinkling of three. The SEC, folks, looks so good, in particular at the top. Alabama has looked absolutely sensational. It should be noted, right, that Nick Saban was never a quarterback-oriented team. He was never a quarterback-driven program. And yet he was still winning national championships. He focused on defense, the run game, and he had serviceable quarterbacks, and they were winning national championship. Then Tua comes along, and it's like, wow, look at Bama with a great quarterback. And they took this next step, and they they joined the modern college football in that they could play great defense, and yet they could still win a shootout. And that remains to be true even as Tua has left. I don't think Mac Jones is a great player, but he is playing great football. He's got crazy weapons on the outside. Uh, Waddle is fantastic. Smith is fantastic. And Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator, has taken it up a notch as far as what they are explosiveness down the field, throwing the football, huge plays. Alabama is a force. The defense is flying around. Uh, Dylan Moses back. I knew that they would be really good on defense, but they're even better than I expected. And Alabama is not going anywhere. And this might be one of the best teams that I've seen at Alabama. And it's been a bit of a quiet Alabama season so far, but they certainly are right there at the top. And then you've got Florida and Georgia. And folks, Florida and Georgia are really good teams. How about the performance from Georgia finding their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, the former walk-on. Now he's back and he's playing great football against Auburn in a top-10 showdown. Georgia handed it to the Auburn Tigers. Their defense was sensational. Remember now, Georgia is the top-ranked team in the country when it comes to the composite rankings. How the teams line up is just the, the overall talent of their roster by where they were recruited and and how they were recruited uh, via 24-7. So this is an incredibly talented team that is unbelievable on the defensive side. They're a great running team, and they should be able to overcome their quarterback. Florida is also playing great football. Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts. Pitts is, he might be the best player in the country, the tight end for Florida. He's already got six touchdown catches. Trask has been unbelievable. And I can't wait to see that showdown. Florida and Georgia, that's going to be a great showdown. Winner likely finds themselves in the SEC championship game. Georgia has had the better of Florida, in particular on their defense. They have done a great job of slowing down the the potent offense for the Florida Gators. The last two years, Florida only scored 17 points in that game. The year before that, in 2017, only scored seven points against Georgia. So Florida better figure out the Georgia defense if they want to win the East and play for an SEC title. But the SEC, tip of the cap. At the top of the conference, you guys are absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Those three teams are great football teams and a big reason why they will continue to be the best conference in college football. So there you have it. Joel Klatt putting three SEC teams in his top five, five, Alabama number three, Florida four, and Georgia five. I just think it's a little silly to put Ohio State at number two, who has not played a game, Penn State at number seven, and Oregon at number nine. Look, those teams have their schedules coming. I just think if you're going to do week-to-week rankings – you got to base it on what we've seen, right? 
for instance, if one of these teams were to lose, he would drop them in his rankings. So to have a team that high in his top five having not played a game just seems really silly. So again, Joel Klatt, I, I get it, I understand it, and he sets himself up for when these te- teams do start playing, all right, well, he's already got Ohio State number two in the country. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous to say you've got Ohio State number two and Alabama's number three with Ohio State being 0-0 zero and zero and Alabama being 2-0. and oh. Alabama has done a lot more to show you what they are right now than Ohio State who hasn't played a game. It doesn't make any sense. So regardless, that's Joel Klatt's rankings, and I encourage you to go check out the rest of his work, uh, College Football on Fox. You can look up the uh, YouTube channel or, of course, foxsports.com for more of his videos. Again, like Joel, does a good job. I think he gave the SEC a lot of credit there, talking about their three best teams, putting them in his top five. I just think it's silly to put teams who have not played a game yet in your top ten. What have they done to earn your respect as a top ten team? I understand Ohio State's got Justin Fields coming back. I understand they're, they've got a loaded roster. But until you play a game, you cannot be ranked in the top ten when all these other teams have been playing games. It's just going to be silly, right? Like in a couple weeks, you're going to have 1-0 Ohio State with, what, 5 or 6-0 and Alabama and maybe 5-1 and Florida. Like, how do you rank these teams? Have Some have played six games. Some have played one. Some have played three. It's just going to be absolutely ridiculous. But thus is the 2020 season, and thus is the job for the college football playoff committee. And there you have it. That is what Joel Klatt is thinking around the SEC. That is just about going to do it for this edition of the Locked On SEC Podcast. Remember to subscribe, and you will get us five days a week. We're here for you on the Locked On SEC Podcast. All the latest in Southeastern Conference conversation. Mainly football is what we've been talking this time of year. We got uh, two more shows to go the rest of the week. We'll be previewing the whole weekend slate throughout the week, getting you ready for SEC Week 3. Hurricanes be damned. We will play some games this weekend. I'm Chris Gordy. Keep it locked to Locked on SEC. And go check out our buddy John Neighbors, Locked on Razorbacks. Man, are they excited after their big SEC victory this past weekend. It's been a while, long time since they've had one of those. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.